Welcome to Nerdy Nostalgia Presents. From the comfort of Altardis, I, Carbo Colin, and my companions Paul Sherman and Chris Judge explore the multiverse of comics, sci-fi, movies, toys, TV, cosplay, art, and all our nerdy fandom and hobbies. Oh, Paul, it has taken me forever to get this DeLorean MOT'd. Thank you for holding down the fort while I've been gone. Oh, my God. Paul. Paul? I'm on my own now. Oh, what a disaster. I knew Colin wasn't here, but Paul's left me on my own too. I'm alone. In the TARDIS. Wow. Oh. What does what does this button do? No, no, no. Okay, all right. Well, um, I don't really know what to do on my own here. Uh, oh, you wouldn't believe the trouble I've had trying to get that DeLorean MOT'd. I had to travel all the way back to the 80s, and even then they didn't know what they were doing. It's almost like that car was destined to fail. Ridiculous. Okay, well, um... I suppose what I'll do then, while I'm waiting for Paul and the captain to come back, is I could talk about some nerdy stuff that I've been up to over the last few weeks. Let's fill this dead air with some information of the nerdy variety. So what I did a couple of weeks ago, I actually went to an outdoor cinema. Um, I went to a Ghostbusters event and it was amazing. Went to Dudley Castle uh, in the Midlands and went to see... The first Ghostbusters, the classic. And when we got there, it was a real event. They'd got like a 20, 25 foot inflatable uh, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. They'd got members of the East Midlands and West Midlands Ghostbusters there uh, so that you could have photo opportunities with them. So shout out to both East and West Midlands Ghostbusters for that. It was a really good event. Uh, I took my partner. She loves Ghostbusters as well. Uh, and we had a fantastic time there. The film was great. They started the film when it um, when it got dark. Uh, they showed a little short French ghost animated thing before it, which was quite cool. But it, it didn't really have a lot to do with Ghostbusters. But it was all right. Um, and oh wow, the um, they had uh, like these projections that they put up on the castle walls as well. So they had like the ghost symbol, the no-go symbol on the walls. And then on one of the castle towers, they projected like this green slime dripping down from the tower. And then at different points in the film, they were projecting um, the proton beams going off and explosions. Really, really good fun. We had a great time. We took a little picnic with us and had a couple of beers. Um, but was, to be fair, the first time that I've seen Ghostbusters on the big screen, and I, I loved it. I think that we're definitely going to try and do more of those, uh, those little events out in different places. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the nerdy bits that I've been up to. Um, I actually went to the cinema the other day, and I'll give a little non-spoiler review of the film Nope. So 
I'm not sure whether it quite qualifies as nerdy. I'm sure I'll get told if not. But it is a sci-fi film. It's like a sci-fi horror. Um, and it was really, really good. I'm a big Jordan Peele fan. Uh, I've loved Get Out and I've loved Us. I'm a big fan of him um, in Key and Peele. So I was I was all up for this, and I, I don't I don't think it disappointed. I'd say it's better than us. Uh, I don't think it quite hits Get Out territory, but um, for a sci-fi film, it, it it left you thinking about the film for a long time. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya was was brilliant in it, um, and it was it was kind of an odd movie. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it sort of follows. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya and um, the lady playing his sister, who is escaping me, uh, Kiki Palmer, uh, and they they are running a horse training business that sort of supplies Hollywood movies with trained horses. It, it kind of looks at the industry of trained animals within Hollywood movies along this sort of larger plot thread of a, a potential alien invasion that's happening sort of around their ranch and it brings in a couple of other uh, characters it, it it draws on some other ideas of animal training in movies through the sort of flashbacks to one of the secondary characters of time on a sitcom where they worked with a little chimpanzee called Gordy's Home. And without giving anything away, some of the scenes, the flashback scenes, were unbelievably uncomfortable and really set the tone for the movie. I, just watching little 30-second sec segments of the episodes with the chimpanzee made you feel almost sick for the, for the, for the rest of the movie. And builds that that feeling of tension towards that builds towards the end of the film as well when you start to see the um the ufo come into play as well i just found it a really sort of suspenseful movie um and the the sci-fi elements of it is a really different take on a flying saucer movie i don't want to fully explain what the ufo itself involves but it is not your typical take on a flying saucer nor the the motives behind that flying saucer being there and i'd say the end of the movie the last third of the movie for me felt like jaws and i actually said it to my partner jenny when we left the theater that the movie felt like jaws the spe the, the way that the characters interact the way that they're attempting to to trap or lure the the UFO out of hiding, um, a little bit of predator as well. It's got those kind of um, people thrust into situations against sort of insurmountable um, odds. You know, a, a, a larger, stronger, um, more deadly foe that they're up against, and they have to sort of use their their wits to try and figure out a way to to make their way out of it really really clever film i definitely encourage anyone who hasn't seen it yet to go out to the theater and watch it on the big screen it's beautiful the, the cinematography in the movie is incredible especially the night shots 
I've never seen a film with such deep and vivid night shots. Normally, when you're looking at a movie and you see a night shot, you, it's, it's blurry. You can't make out a great deal of the the, the scenery, the, the panorama. But when you're watching this film, you feel like you're watching something where your eyes have adjusted and you can see into the distance at night. And I'd never really seen that before, the way that they'd shot it. It was brilliant. Um, the film itself was great. Uh, I liked the ending, a couple of little twists to it. Um, but Kaluuya is is fantastic in the movie as OJ. Um, absolutely brilliant. And a, a great little cameo um, by Keith David, uh, an amazing actor that I loved in uh, They Live, um, which was another great little cult sci-fi movie. Um, and he makes an appearance in this film as well. Uh, so I'd absolutely, yeah, um, recommend anybody going out and uh, and watching this movie. It um it makes me want to see another Jordan Peele straight away. Uh, also makes me want to go and watch Jaws straight away as well. If anyone who has seen it can comment on whether or not they got that feeling too, or whether I'm alone in this. Um, but yeah, I definitely got those vibes from it. And I got really a lot of sci-fi and nerdy stuff out at the moment that that I. I want to cover on my own. I know we've we touched briefly on She-Hulk last week and Sandman, and I've been keeping up to date with those as well. But I don't want to say too much more than what Paul said last week because I think he pretty much covered it brilliantly. Um, and I, I, I do agree with him on what he said on both shows as well. So perhaps when all three of us are back together, we can dig into those in a little bit more detail. Um, and at the time of recording this, there should be another episode of She-Hulk out pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that. But overall, I've enjoyed that show so far. I've liked its uh, light-hearted tone, tongue-in-cheek. Um, definitely, I preferred episode one to episode two. Uh, but I did enjoy a couple of little nods um, and, and almost meta humour in episode two that I'm sure we can touch upon um, when both of the uh, our other two uh, nerdy nostalgia uh, workers are back. The only other thing really that I've been looking at recently is I've tried to start getting back into reading comics because I used to love it and I've been terrible recently at, at reading comics. Um, so what I did was I just sort of picked a, a sort of a superhero team that I wanted to, to read about and I picked the X-Men because I, I, I only just finished re-watching the animated series that's on Disney Plus. So I thought, why not? I'll give it a try. And I tried to pick um, a run that was fairly recent. So I've picked uh, Jerry Duggan's 2021 X-Men run, which is currently live on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, I think we're up to 11 issues released on Marvel Unlimited. So we're three months behind. August uh, was had just seen May's uh, release issue release uh, and I've really enjoyed it um drawn by um Pepe Larraz as well uh, and it's been a really interesting series so I'll be honest I don't know a great deal about uh Krakoa the mutant island thing but I'm picking up some bits and pieces on that on what I've read uh, and he's really uh, Jerry Duggan is really sort of setting out these characters, this new team that's been, from what I can tell, um, elected by this Krakoan council to be the sort of X-Men team 
that are focused in New York and they look at this new um, sort of X-Men base that's been set up in a park in New York and how people are reacting to that. And then over the course of the episode, sort of a slow burn, you get a bit of a a bit of interesting insight into each individual character. So for those that don't know, the team that's now live in the newest run of the X-Men is Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey or Marvel Girl, uh, Sunfire, Rogue, uh, Wolverine, the female version of Wolverine, Cinch and Polaris. Um, and I don't know a great deal about the last two there, Cinch and Polaris, but particularly Polaris's story arc so far has been fascinating. Um, as somebody who really doesn't feel that at first they want to be part of the X-Men because they don't think that um, they deserve to be, that they warrant to be. Um, a little bit perhaps as like Logan felt when when Logan first was integrated into the X-Men, um, or at least in certain stories. Um, there's a bit of duality there, that they're, they're struggling with the idea that they are uh, working... Uh, you know, solidly in a, you know, in, with for the good guys in a team um, environment. Um, but it's been really good. Uh, I've seen some great sort of characters that have come in from past episodes. Uh, so over this, uh, without giving too much away, without giving too many spoilers away, we get to see um, Modoc come into it, um, and we've seen a really interesting story that's playing out at the moment where a certain news reporter has been made aware of the ability through Krakoa of um, regeneration of somebody who's who's died, an X-Men that's died and is all of a sudden back. Um, and that concept of how is it that, that it's been widely reported that somebody's died and yet all of a sudden they're back um, and I feel that that's probably going to play out a lot in the, this this idea of uh, Krakoa being able to cheat death. Um, and that why is it perhaps that the X-Men are keeping that knowledge, that power for themselves when it could be more widely applied throughout humanity? I don't know if that's the route they're going or whether at the very least there's going to be some... Um, exposure to the world of the X-Men not being 100% truthful. So we do see the uh, we see an episode where it's revealed that Cyclops had died in the past, and yet how can Cyclops be running this team um, when that's already happened? And he's being investigated for this and almost blackmailed um, by uh, third parties into you know speaking out about this um this issue that's going on but regardless i'm probably not selling it particularly well but i've really enjoyed the story and it's it i needed something to get me back into reading comics um and i've been enjoying i, I don't know whether i've got an old version of marvel unlimited but from what i hear it's incredibly difficult to find stories i know we've discussed it in the past you know find um, a particular run of a particular comic. I don't know whether on my tablet that I've just downloaded an older version and it hasn't updated, but I found it really easy. So I don't know if it's just me, but um, 
and I've really been enjoying using the the download feature because I had a, a couple of couple of days where I was sort of away from um, internet access and I was still able to read six or seven issues of this comic. I just wish that you could store more than 12 um, offline issues at a time. But no, I've really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to carrying on with it. And perhaps people can give me some suggestions on, on what I should read after the X-Men. Um, Marvel uh, related would be preferable because of the app that I'm using at the moment. Um, I don't know whether to dig back into some old, some older uh, storylines. I think I'd really like to sort of push through House of M, um, maybe look at Secret Wars with that coming up. Uh, you know, from, you know, from a from a Marvel Studios perspective. Um, but I also hear with some of these that there's a lot of intertwined individual stories that go with it. So I don't know how easily I can. I can read that 10-issue run and get the full story. I'm sure I probably can. I'm sure it's designed so that I can read it and I don't need to go through and read Spider-Man's story and the Fantastic Four story. Um, but, yeah, and I think I'm going to go back and start reading some uh, 90s Spider-Man because I'd really, like to, I'd really like to go through that whole Venom arc again with Venom being my favourite spider-man villain i think i'd really like to go back and do that but yeah so yeah i've started uh, reading comics again who knows whether that will continue for much longer but the x-men run that i'm reading fully recommend it. it's beautifully drawn uh, really well inked uh, the storyline is great and like i say slow burn they're they're slowly revealing the main villain throughout the back of this this wider almost political um storyline that they're setting up i mean it's always political with with the x-men isn't it I don't know a great deal else about what's happening. I'm surprised that having read 11 issues, I still don't know exactly where it's going. I can't, that's kind of cool. That excites me. But yeah, so there you go. That's that's, that's kind of what I've been doing at the moment. Disappointed that I've, I've been left in this position. I don't know how uh, others are allowed to go off and, and you know, have fun fighting aliens and seeing new places, being in different worlds, and I have to go and sort the car out for an MOT. Doesn't really seem fair, but hey-ho, here we are. Um, and now I've got to try and muddle my way through the outro as well, which is never particularly fun. But what I will say is, obviously, but obviously, please go and visit nerdynostalgia.co.uk. There you'll find all the details of everything that we do. Um, you can look at all of the artwork that Cardboard Colin has put out. You'll see past podcasts, the new toy range that they're looking to uh, to implement as well. It's really exciting over on Nerdy Nostalgia. Um, obviously, I'm going to shout out Paul's um, Mighty Marvel uh, show as well on YouTube. Please go and subscribe to that. Uh, the videos that he's putting out at the moment are really fun, really interesting, looking at a lot of new characters. And I don't know if you're aware, but they've changed the packaging recently on these Marvel characters. So, Paul will give you his view on that as well. But that's really it from me. Um, I mean, there's not really a lot to say. I mean, outros, where we're going, we don't need outros. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to get in contact with us, then email colin at nerdynostalgia.co.uk. You can also visit our website, nerdynostalgia.co.uk, where you can find my art store, podcasts, and lots of other nerdy stuff.